regular season is coming up for the New Orleans Saints. They'll play the Atlanta Falcons this Sunday in the Superdome. And there are playoff implications for that game, depending on what goes on in the NFC elsewhere. Plus, what is the latest with Marshall Lattimore's future? Could we see number 23 traded? It seems more like a possibility now than it ever has before. We'll talk about that right here on the Straight Up Saints podcast. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. What is up, Huda Nation? Welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. I'm your host, Chris Wazlogan. As always, we're brought to you by Scott Vicknair. Injury lawyers, you've been injured in any kind of accident, car, truck, 18-wheeler, hurt offshore. Scott Vicknair handles it all. You give him a call at 504-500-1111 for a free consultation. He'll always fight for the win. So I mentioned it in the little brief tease. Marshawn Lattimore, what is going on with this future, man? This seemed like a guy you wanted as a saint for life. Uh, one of the more impactful players for this team since being drafted in 2017. We obviously know what he brings to the secondary, and he's done that since he's been a rookie for the Saints. And there was a move made less than 48 hours ago that has a big impact on his future. So it, it got announced by Field Yates that his contract has been restructured. And when I first heard that, I thought, okay, restructured means you're pushing kind of the money down the road, kicking the can, making a longer commitment, which means you don't get rid of Lattimore. Then it gets reported that instead of having that signing bonus, which is usually what happens, and you're on the hook for that money, which makes you believe that player is going to be on the Saints next season, the Saints made it an option bonus instead, which means that money, $11 million of the money owed to Marshawn Lattimore, would travel to whatever team he'd get traded to. Which means, yes, look, it's still expensive to get rid of Marshawn Lattimore. There's still a huge dead money charge that the Saints would have to take on. But the Saints would free up $11 million in cap space doing so, and technically it would be $11 million cheaper now than it would prior to this restructure. And this doesn't necessarily mean that Marshawn Lattimore is definitely going to get traded, but this opens the door for it. And the fact that the Saints are willing to go with this option bonus and the fact that Marshall Lattimore is willing to go to this length because it's something you have to discuss before actually going through with it makes you believe they're both both sides are comfortable with moving on from each other uh, and it's a sad situation because the Saints are obviously a better team than Marshall Lattimore is at cornerback he has without a doubt been one of their best players since 2017 and he's still in the prime of his career I know people are going to bring up injuries but are we going to really say he's injury prone when last year was a goddamn lacerated kidney? That's just absolute shit luck. And look, this year, he has missed time with the ankle injury. There's no doubt about it. But I'll ask you this. If the Saints might feel like it's taking too long for Lattimore to come back from injury, is there a chance that maybe he doesn't want to play for this head coach right now? And if the Saints are willing to get rid of him, maybe the head coach doesn't really feel like he needs him. Maybe he feels okay with, with Paulson Adebo, feels okay with Delonte Taylor, wouldn't be against re-signing, you know, Isaac Yedem. So it smells like tension. And I know there's going to be people trying to sugarcoat it and all that. And there might be people who are in denial because they don't want to see Marshall Lattimore traded. And trust me, I don't want the Saints to trade Marshall Lattimore. They are without a doubt a better team with number 23 starting for them at cornerback. There's no question about that. And if you think there is a question about it, you're out of your mind. But this is what I know. I know that the Saints have gotten rid of Garner Johnson last offseason. I know that DA made changes to the secondary, both personnel-wise as the players and the coaches getting rid of Chris Richard, moved Delonte to the slot, cut Bradley Roby. They haven't been afraid to make changes in the secondary. 
And DA probably feels like, hey, I'm good at coaching that. I could make moves if I have to. And I'm not defending it, by the way. I, I am by no means defending getting rid of Marshawn Lattimore. I, I think you have to keep Marshawn Lattimore. But I see the writing on the wall. And what bothers me is the more this goes on, if they get rid of Lattimore, it seems like Michael Thomas will be gone this offseason. Have we reached that point where it's a battle of who are you going to side with, the players or Dennis Allen? And somehow, the coach who's only won a third of his games is winning that battle, and the players who kind of built the foundation of what was arguably the most successful team in terms of being a consistent winner from 2017 to pretty much 2021, those guys get pushed to the curb? That seems crazy to me. So that's what I have to say for this. You know, I, I think this whole process right now is tough to watch. You, you got a coach who I know a lot of fans don't believe in, surrounded by a management team that keeps telling you that the sky is blue and we know right now it's not all sunshines and rainbows for this Saints team. And you got an offensive coordinator who, I'm not trying to defend Pete Carmichael, but let's be real. You're just going to make him the scapegoat this offseason. The writing's been on the wall, just like the writing was on the wall for Dennis Allen getting hired during that sham hiring process to begin with, which leads me to say, in about a week from now, win or lose, playoffs or not, Mickey Loomis is going to sit up here and tell you, we got the right guys, we're on the right track, and all I can say is, they got a bunch of delusional guys. That's how I feel about the Saints right now. And look, if you can get a first-round pick for Lattimore, would that make this thing a little bit less? Probably. But the more I look into this Saints situation, the more I pay attention to the way things are going on with Dennis Allen, I absolutely hate it. I absolutely hate that we've reached this point where it seems like we're going to lose more good players after more good players, and we're going to give a coach who hasn't proven anything the freedom to operate without any consequences. That doesn't seem right to me. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. We're living in an NFL right now where Bill Belichick, arguably the greatest coach of all time, is on the hot seat, and Mike Tomlin, a guy who can't go under 500 if he tries, is on the hot seat. But Dennis Allen, a guy who never goes over 500, he's got freedom, he's got job security, he's got everything the other two guys have actually earned. That's fucking insane. But that's what's going on with the Saints right now. And if you think that I'm overreacting, that's fine. It's a trend. You get rid of Gardner Johnson, I, I didn't flip out like other people did, but it definitely raised some alarms. If you get rid of Lattimore, and it seems like they're going down that route, we are going to have a trend with Dennis Allen. Getting rid of guys that maybe don't mess with him personally, willing to get rid of better players because we have fragile egos. And I said this before, he showed what type of leader he is when he threw Chris Olave under the bus, but doesn't want to give Derek Carr any accountability. And only sings his quarterback's praises, who, by the way, I'm going to give credit in just a minute because Derek Carr, in the month of December, I'm going to give him his credit. But the head coach should be fair. And if I'm seeing it, if you're and you're seeing it, and we're all complaining about it, I'm sure there's other guys not named Marshawn Lattimore, not named Michael Thomas, who go, you know what? Maybe I really don't like playing for this coach. And I hope to God 41's not one of them. But with the way this is going, with Lattimore probably gone, with Michael Thomas probably gone, is Alvin Kamara next? I hope not. But you can't you can't help but ask these type of questions when you see the lack of leadership in New Orleans. So that's where it leads me. It's frustrating. It's tough. Uh, and look, am, am I a very, I don't want to say pessimistic because I'm fair. When I think the Saints are going to win the game, I say they're going to win the game. But I am more towards the critical side than most. 
I don't know how people who have been optimistic about this team, people who have been, you know, I'd say kind about this team when they speak of them. I don't know how you can watch this operation right now and think that it's okay. Take the record out for a sec, even though 8-8 eight and eight is not acceptable for what this team has and what this schedule's been. Do you think this is normal? A coach who's never won anything, pushing the guys who have won, that did help establish a winner, those guys get pushed out the building? You know? I, I just don't get it. I, I don't get it. I, I, I understood Gardner Johnson. To a degree, I understand Michael Thomas because, look, he is always hurt. And whether or not we think he, what he was saying is right, your wide receiver can't probably go on Twitter and blast the quarterback like that. It's just not going to fly. It doesn't look right. It's not going to fly. Whether or not I agree with it, different story because I mostly agree with what he said. But it's just not going to fly. Lattimore, you never hear a peep out of him. When he's on the field, he's probably your best player. And now you want to get rid of him? And don't think for a second that just because the Saints have played without Lattimore this year, that means they're fine without him. They've played shit quarterback after shit quarterback after shit quarterback. You know which quarterbacks they play next year? Play Jalen Hurts. They play Dak Prescott. They play Justin Herbert. They play Patrick Mahomes. Pretty good quarterbacks. They'll all probably light up the Saints at this rate if you're without Lattimore. Truth of the matter. Because we could talk about what they did against the Bucs. We could talk about what they did against the Giants. Saints played the Rams on Thursday night. A real good quarterback. And Matthew Stafford lit up that secondary. And that doesn't mean Paulson Adebo's not good. Because I think Adebo is awesome. And honestly, Adebo's the only reason why I'm not screaming here saying everything's doomed. I'm more so frustrated than I am saying the Saints' future's fucked. And Adebo's a big part of it. Because I think Adebo's a really good cornerback. Snubbed from the Pro Bowl this year. But we have reached this point where Dennis Allen's pushing out the talent that made people love the Saints more than they already did. And when you do it, and it's a cornerback who's still in his prime, it hurts. It absolutely hurts. But we're heading there. There's no doubt in my mind Marshall Lattimore will be traded at some point. And I guess we're just going to have to live with it. So let me switch gears, talk about Saints, Falcons. This is an interesting game, obviously, for a variety of reasons playoff implications. If the Saints win and the Buccaneers lose to the Panthers, which seems unlikely considering the Panthers haven't looked like an NFL team this year, the Saints will win the NFC South. And even if that doesn't happen, but the Saints do win their game against the Falcons, Saints can hope the Bears beat the Packers and the Cardinals beat the Seahawks. And if that happens, they'll get the seventh seed and they'll play on wild card weekend. So there is a lot to play for. Motivation is there. Motivation to finish above 500. Motivation to avenge their earlier season loss to the Falcons. The Falcons side of the coin is pretty simple. They're fighting for playoff odds too. If they win and the Bucs lose, they're the NFC South winner. And they also have to decide in the locker room, do we want Arthur Smith back? If they don't, they'll quit on the team on Sunday. And if they do, they'll fight hard for their coach on Sunday. But that's where the Falcons are at. Because I think if the Falcons lose, Arthur Smith's gone. I think Arthur Smith's a dead man walking on Monday morning if they lose to the Saints. If the Falcons win, who knows? Maybe the, the front office says, hey, we didn't really give him a quarterback. We'll run it back one more year, which I'm not opposed to because I don't think Arthur Smith's really anything good. So I'd be happy if the Falcons keep him. For the Saints, 9-8 and eight would be the first time DA goes over 500. they They'd probably throw a parade. So there's that. And obviously, like I said, you're still fighting for playoffs, so there is that motivation there. But it is fascinating if the Saints were to lose. I think that just leads to more frustration because I don't think there's any coaching changes coming. I don't think they're getting rid of DA. 
I think they're going to scapegoat P. Carmichael as if he's the main problem when I don't think he is. But that's that's what's on the table in terms of storylines. Now, actual meat here, the actual meat and potatoes of what's important in this game, I think it's two things. A, how does Derek Carr look? B, how do you fare in the run game defensively? So let's start off with Derek Carr. I got to give him credit. I got to give him credit. If I'm going to rip him in October when he stinks, I'm going to rip him in November when he stinks, I'm going to give him credit in December when he plays well. And some people might say, well, this is what he's supposed to be doing. That's fine. I still got to give him credit. In the month of December, in the month of December, Derek Carr, 73.6 completion percentage, his best mark in any month. 11 touchdown passes, by far his best mark in any month. Now, he did have three interceptions, which is towards the lower side of things, but three interceptions in December, that's fine. And an 110.2 passer rating easily and by far out of the biggest gap, that's the one where it was his best mark of any month for his splits this year. So Derek Carr's played better, which tells me two things. One, as time's gone on and he's adjusted to the system more, he's looked better. But more importantly, pass protection looks better and better each week. And shocker, Derek Carr, a quarterback who's not really good off script, quarterback who's not known for making wild plays with his athleticism or anything like that, you give him structure, you give him time, he's playing well. So I, I think for, for Derek Carr, that's one. He, I didn't think he looked good against the Falcons. I thought what he did against the Falcons the first time was his typical Derek Carr thing where the yardage looked great. You know, the total yards on offense looked awesome. And then you looked at the box score, you only had 15 points, you couldn't score a touchdown. And that's what it came down to. And that's what it was. Derek Carr's only touchdown pass against the Falcons was to Falcon safety Jesse Bates. So it wasn't a good game for him, but he's playing better ever since. And now he has a chance to kind of cap off the season on a high note. I think he's getting healthier. And I've said this before. I'm not some Derek Carr advocate, but if I had to pick, would I rather another year of Derek Carr, or another year of Dennis Allen? I, without a doubt, would say, give me another year of Derek Carr. Cause I think with better coaching, with more confidence, with him being healthier, I think the month of December, Derek Carr is who he can be for a season. And that doesn't make him a championship quarterback. That doesn't make him elite. That doesn't mean he's worth the money. But it means that you're not pulling your hair out of your head every Sunday. And that's what he's been so far. So that's step number one. Does Derek Carr look better against the Falcons? And in order to do that, you got to give him protection. You got to give him that structure. If that happens, that's good for the Saints. But number two, run defense. Saints run defense last week against the Bucs set the tone. Shut down Rashad White. Didn't have a chance to get any space. You made the Bucs one-dimensional, which means you let your defensive linemen pin their ears back, get after Baker Mayfield, make his life a living hell. That's what they did. And it worked. And it wasn't just a fluke there. We saw a couple of weeks prior against Saquon Barkley, they shut him down. Now, Giants O-line, not very good. That's probably where it came down to. But two out of the last three games, the run defense has been great. Run defense wasn't phenomenal against the Rams. Better O-line. Kyron Williams balled out this year. So that happens. But this is a big one because the Falcons, last time they played the Saints, over 220 rushing yards. Bijan went wild. Tyler Algier had some big runs. Desmond Ritter looked comfortable, which is an embarrassment for that defense. How do you respond to that run game? Because that's the key for the Falcons. You know they're not going to light you up through the pass, most likely. They're going to be a run-heavy team. How do you respond? That leads me to it. And I'm going to be honest. As I look through it, I look at the st- the the... Status of these teams right now in terms of whether the arrow's pointing up or down. I think the Saints are pointing up more than the Falcons are. I think Derek Carr's playing better football than anyone on the Falcons quarterback-wise, which again, you're going to say, Chris, that's not saying much. I just want to be fair when it comes to Derek Carr conversation because I've been super critical of the dude this season, and I do think he's playing better. 
So I, I think when your quarterback's playing better, I think your defense is coming off a big performance against the Bucs. You feel like you have a better chance of making the playoffs than the Falcons. You're trying to avenge that one finish on a positive note. Something tells me, in terms of mind-wise, it's got to be Saints. Now, if they lose this game, good Lord. We, we got to figure something out. Because 8-9, and nine, getting swept by the Falcons, unacceptable. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I do think the Saints are going to win Sunday. But I do think the Bucs are also going to win. So no NFC South for the Saints. And knowing the Saints' history, I just can't see the Panthers end the Seahawks losing. Uh, the Packers and the Seahawks, excuse me. I, I think the Seahawks might lose to the Cardinals. And the Cardinals are feeling pretty good off that Eagles win. Tyler Murray's been a way better quarterback over the last couple of weeks than Geno Smith. And he just is a better quarterback. I don't know if the Packers lose to the Bears. Packers own the Bears historically over the last decade or so. Jordan Love's coming off a great performance. I, I kind of think the, the Packers will win that one. So I still believe the Saints are going to miss the playoffs. I do think they're going to beat the Falcons, though. And if they don't, this might be one of their most embarrassing losses of the year to get swept by a Falcons team that their coach is on the hot seat, that they're not playing well right now. This Falcons team has looked lifeless the last couple of weeks. You can't lose to this team. We're talking about a Falcons team that got blown out by the Bears three weeks prior, lost to um, the Panthers on the road 9-7, to lost to the Bucks, barely beat the Jets who have zero quarterback play. So I, I just, I think if not now, when? You know, so I'll go with the Saints to beat the Falcons. I'll go around the 24 to 17 range. That's what I'm feeling right now. Obviously, it, it changes if the Saints are unable to stop the run. But I, I do believe they'll get it done, move to 9 and 8, but I don't think it'll be enough to make the playoffs because they just historically haven't gotten a lot of help. But we'll see what happens. It's been a wild season. And I can't wait to see how it unfolds. Just for the drama of it all, it should be great entertainment. So before I wrap up this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast, I want to get a quick word from one of our sponsors in DraftKings Sportsbook, and then anyone that put comments during this live stream of the Straight Up Saints podcast, I'll get to your comments, read them, and we'll see what we do there before we wrap it up. But let's get a quick word from DraftKings. The NBA season is in full swing, and when I can't get enough of the action on the court, I spice things up betting on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with code BOOT. New customers can bet just 5 bucks on the NBA and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code BOOT. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Must be 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms. Once again, thank you to DraftKings Sportsbook for being part of the program. So before we wrap things up, I'll get into any comments you guys have here and go through them. Uh, Dana says, I feel like if Dennis Allen was in a bigger market, he would be on the hot seat. It's possible. I think a lot of it, though, too, comes down to whether or not the team's entertaining enough. And I don't think the Saints are entertaining enough at all. And, and the reason I say this is, you know, Robert Sala has not done a good job in New York. The Jets have been struggling. They're in a big market, though, and no one really talks about them because no one really cares. You know, I, I think that, um, you know, look at, at Ibraflus of the Bears. They started winning a couple of games, and then all the hot seat stuff went away, and that's Chicago, which is considered a big market. So I think it just comes down to whether or not you've been an entertaining team. The Saints have not been that under Dennis Allen. Patriots only get talked about because it's Bill Belichick, to be honest. And Chargers, 
you know, that is a team that had Justin Herbert. They're in prime time a lot. I think that's why they got a lot of attention, and that's why Staley ended up getting fired. Same goes for the Raiders with McDaniels. So I mean, I'm on the fence. Maybe it is a bigger market thing, and maybe I'm I'm being naive to it. I just think the Saints are just so like so mid that it's just doesn't get enough attention. They're never too high, they're never too low, they're just kind of stuck in neutral. And, and that's kind of why uh why they don't get that much attention. Pablo says, I'm really hoping that Mickey or Gale comes to their senses by the end of the season and sees why Dennis Dennis Allen, friend or not, is not qualified to lead an NFL team as a head coach. I don't think it's gonna change. I share that sentiment with you, Pablo. I absolutely do. But the way I see it is they've made up their mind. I think they made up their mind before the Buccaneers game. The Buccaneers game, winning that and having a good performance, which it was, and I gave the Saints a lot of credit for it because I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I'm going to give them credit. I'm not going to be an asshole who rips them all the time, but when they do something good, doesn't give them credit. I'm going to give them credit. And I thought that was the best performance of the season in terms of the stakes, the division opponent, struggling against the Bucs the last couple of years. That was a good win. Kudos to them. But they already made up their mind before that game, and then that game just solidified it. I cannot see them walking it back. The only way they walk it back, honest to God, is that the Saints lose by like 20-something in an empty dome to the Falcons. Maybe you reconsider. But other than that, I just don't see it. I just don't, you know? Saints 41 says, DA trades the people who hate losing. Go figure. Look, man, it's it's starting to become an alarming trade a trend. I, I, the Garner-Johnson one, I kind of understood it because if you weren't going to pay him anyway, fine. You're paying Lattimore. You know he's in his prime. You know what he does when he's healthy. You get rid of him, that's going to be a huge hole to the secondary. And I think Paulson Debo's been great this year, but it's just, why can't you have a Debo and Lattimore right now while you still can? Smart as a rock says, do you think the Saints will take Jared Verse in the draft over an offensive lineman? I, I really can't answer that yet. I'd be cool if they take Verse because I think this edge rush is trash. They need to get better. And Carl Granderson needs a, a, a guy across from him. But I don't know. I... I I think it's too old to say. They need O-line help, though, for sure. I think, I would say this, the Saints' most underrated flaw, because we talk about coaching, we talk about quarterback. I don't even know if quarterback's their biggest flaw in terms of personnel. Obviously, I know coaching is their biggest flaw. I think the Saints suck in the trenches. I, I don't think they're good enough. And I think they've been playing better the last couple of weeks, and shocker, they're winning games now because of it. But I don't think the Saints are great in the trenches. And I think a lot of the times that they've struggled this year, it's been because of that. Think of if the O-line struggled or think of the D-line didn't get pressure on quarterbacks. That's what I think happened. Saints 41 says, Chris, you know what's going to happen on Sunday. LOL, I hope I'm wrong. Look, I, I think the Saints are going to win, and then I think they're not going to get help. That's just how I see it. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they lose and get the help. That would be worse. If the Saints lose and the Bucs also lose, goddamn, that would be the worst situation possible. Pablo says, speaking on the defense, it's still wild to me that we let Trey Walk re-sign uh, re Davenport despite knowing, uh, despite doing nothing and extended Jordan as he is in clear decline slash end of his career. Yeah, I mean, you know, St. John Butler over here, which shout out to John, does great work. He said Trey Hendrickson with 17 sacks this year still hurts. Yeah, Trey, Trey, Hendricks, uh, Trey Hendrickson, excuse me, has more sacks than like all their defensive ends combined by a big margin. That's a whiff. Uh, and I, and to a degree, I understand why the Hendrickson thing happened, but Davenport is obviously not it. He hasn't figured it out with the Vikings either. You mentioned the Cam Jordan thing before, Pablo. I don't see the Cam Jordan contract working out at all. He, he, you know, he looks like he's finally hit a cliff or fell off, fall off the cliff, fell off, ooh, has fallen off the cliff. Can't speak English today, and that's a problem because you paid him for what he was instead of what he is, and that's where you you really hurt your team. 
So I agree, a lot of personnel mistakes on defensive line. I will say I'm glad they, they extended Granderson, got it out of the way. Brian Brzee's had some flashes. Tano Passino's give them some decent snaps here and there. Nathan Shepard's on and off. Sometimes I like to pick up, sometimes I don't. But it's just not a good enough D-line right now. Uh, do you really think Doug Marone is an issue, or is it the personnel? I, can it be both, maybe? This is what I'll say. This is where I think that it's a Doug Marone problem is if you invested a lot, a lot of high picks in your in your offensive line. Ramcheck first rounder. Pete was a first rounder. Penning was a first rounder. Ruiz was a first rounder. McCoy was a second rounder. So every pick on your offensive line has either been a first rounder or a second rounder. So that's the personnel problem that scares me with, with Marone. Do you get the best out of your talent? This is why I won't blame Marone, though, and I also think it's a personnel issue, but also a front office issue. Stop drafting guys who are not playing their natural position. Pete was an offensive tackle. They played him at guard. Ruiz was a center. They played him at guard. Stop drafting guys out of position and just assuming it's magically going to work. It hasn't worked the two times he did it. And honest to God, Pete's been better at left tackle this year than he ever was at guard for the Saints. So that's how I feel about New Orleans in terms of their offensive line issue. But it's, it's both. It's both. It's a little bit of Marone. It's a little bit of the personnel. It's a little bit of the front office. I, I think they're a little bit too stubborn. You, you got to expand uh, your, your draft prototypes, your willingness to adapt. And I don't know if this team does that well. Hell Mendoza says, my thing is, if you don't have a D-line that can get to the quarterback, why in the seven hells are we considering getting, considering getting rid of our top DBs? I don't get it. And I agree with you wholeheartedly, right? And to me, with the way Adebo's played this year, I don't think you can name a better cornerback tandem when they're both healthy than Adebo and Lattimore. I just don't. And to get rid of Lattimore, if you do that, when they do that, inevitably, that's a big hole. And look, Adebo has stepped up this year, and I think that he could only get better, which is good. But it's a leap of faith, and, and it's one that, um, it's scary to say the least. Pablo says, I'm starting to think that perhaps the front office needs to be evaluated when it comes to scouting with this year's draft. We have whiffed bad ever since our 2017 draft class. Here and there, you know, the crazy thing is the 2021 draft, had they not just whiffed on Peyton Turner, it would have been a really good draft because you got a Debo, so you got a starter in the back end. You got Pete Warner, so you got a starter in the middle. You got Landon Young, who's been a really decent uh, tackle off the bench for them. But Peyton Turner, when you whiff on a first-round defensive end, everything goes to shit. But I do agree, there's got to be some changes there. Aototo says... Uh, do you think the Saints would benefit from switching from a 4-3 to a 3-4 and kicking Cam inside? I mean, for Christ's sake, he plays at like 280, 290 throughout the year. I don't know. I don't know if I'm changing my defense just to fit a bad Cam Jordan contract. You know, if it's a new coach and whatever and they're drafting different, fine. Then you do it. But I, I don't know if I would do it because of that contract. You know, maybe you kick Cam inside. Oddly enough, they're, well, not oddly enough, their best game, to be honest, on the D-line was probably against the Giants. And it's funny because the Giants' whole line stinks. So that is part of it. But Cam also had his snaps reduced, and I don't think it's coincidence. Mo says, do you think they let Marcus May go because of Jonathan Abram and Jordan Howden? I think they should. I don't think Marcus May has been worth the contract. I don't think Marcus May has been any good for the Saints. Now, I think Jonathan Abram had the game of his life last Sunday. I don't see him replicating that, but he did some good, and I think Howden's done some good when he's been in. And I think anyway, like Marcus May for me, contract-wise, just hasn't lived up to it. And I think it's okay to say that deal just didn't work. You know, and and look, they could probably get out of this deal and not take a huge dead cap hit. So I I would probably just I'd probably just cut him. That's that's just me. I'd have to look at it. I don't know if they save anything. If they save nothing, then it's not worth cutting him. 
But if they could save some money and get rid of him, then then I would. I don't, I don't think I don't think there's any real major noticeable upgrade to having Marcus May on the field. And he's another one. He hasn't been on the field. No cap, no filter. Saint says Dennis Allen's going to run this franchise into the ground, run off and trade good players, all for him to inevitably be fired a few seasons from now with us having nothing to show for it. What a waste. If an OC comes in next year and gets Saints offense rolling and motivates the players and even grasps the attention of the fan base and is a very likable guy, then that will be a, a threat to DA's job at a coach. We're going to miss out on Penix and JD5 sweepstakes. We missed on Watson sweepstakes. We're going to miss on Justin sweepstakes who played with love, uh, with a lot of, excuse me. Uh, we brought out our, our, brought our car and we're stuck in neutral. Yeah. I mean, look, a lot to digest there that you put out there, but we'll kind of go through them for a sec. The DA thing, Look, like I said, he doesn't have enough to show for it. His resume is not impressive enough to think that you can just start trading away your good players. That's a problem, number one. Number two, the sweepstakes up with quarterbacks. Honestly, the Watson sweepstakes, them missing out was a blessing in disguise. I mean, that would have made this situation worse, you know? And as for the third thing, with an OC and whether or not that's a threat to his job, I think the biggest problem with having a good OC is if you have a defensive-minded coach with a good OC, you lose that OC, does your, does your offense just fall off a rail? Uh, look at Sean McDermott. He loses Brian Dable. Bill's offense hasn't looked the same. Uh, I would argue that when the Bucs inevitably lose their OC and Dave Canales, that's going to hurt a lot because they got Todd Bowles, who's an okay coach. I think he's looked better this year than most, but his history's not great. And that's a big hole that you got to fill if you lose your OC. Mo says, what about the Honey Badger? I don't think he's lived up to expectations either. Your thoughts? Uh, I've been indifferent about it. I think that Honey Badger's been solid. Leadership-wise, he's he's carrying a lot more weight and responsibility than people probably know. And for that, I think it's a huge plus. And I think he's been okay. Has he, has he made game-breaking plays? No. But, like, I'm going to be honest. I, I think there's a better chance the locker room fractures if Honey Badger's not in there than with him in there. Uh, so I want to give him credit to that regard. I don't know if he'd ever be what people want him because he's, at the, he's towards the, the back half of his career at this point, you know? But I don't think it's been a god-awful contract. I think the May contract's been far, far worse. No cap, no filter says, I would have felt better about this team if we dominated the majority of the teams we beat, and especially if the starting quarterback played, and if we beat teams like Lions or Rams. Fashion matters, 22 Vikings. Fair enough. Zeke says, if AK requests, uh, request, request, I can't even speak. If AK requests a trade this offseason, I'm fucking done. Yeah, I mean... I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm also not going to say it's not going to happen with the way that this has been going. No cap, no filter says, me not giving uh, one fuck on Sunday, actively rooting for the Saints to get that ass busted by the Falcons for the greater good, even at the expense of other fans getting their hearts broken is, uh, if we, in fact, lose. Weird weird world we live in, right? We got a... I never thought we'd reach this point where it's like Saints-Falcons week 18. There's still playoff implications. And I, I actually thought there being playoff implications, a lot of people would put whatever agendas and feelings they have to the side and say, all right, playoffs. Well, people haven't backed off and I'm not, I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying like, this is the, the, the pulse of the fan base right now is people are still pissed no matter what they've done. Nothing's going to change. And I think it's because of the lack of leadership and accountability. Hell Mendoza says, who would you consider offloading the trade market? I'm going to be honest. I don't really think they, they benefit a lot from trading guys. Lattimore, I think he's going to get traded now. I wouldn't trade him, but he's going to get traded. I, I don't think they really get they get uh, gain anything from getting rid of big contracts. You know, I, I don't think getting rid of Alvin does anything for them cap wise. You might as well keep keep him, Mike. You're probably gonna you know void that contract. He goes into free agency. Ramcheck may retire. If you do that, you need a new right tackle. I, I think it's I think it's tough. I don't I don't know who I would consider offloading. 
I really, I really don't. It's a great question, but the way their cap situation is set up, it's not like you get rid of these guys and you're opening up so much money. You're you're spending for guys that aren't on your team and not freeing up much. It's a it's a it's a really bad situation. Ram has looked for options for his knee before he said he's going to try again, but I think it sounds like he's retiring. Right? I would say it's 50-50. and I would say if he retires this offseason, don't be surprised. I I actually think almost expect the worst. You know. Mo says, if we keep Kamara, I think we should get rid of Jamal Williams and give Kamara more, uh, give Kendra Miller more reps. Jamal's done nothing. That would be a guy. If you get rid of Jamal Williams, and I'm going to check now what it would cost to get rid of him, that contract has been an absolute waste. Absolute waste. They could get rid of Jamal. I'd cut him. I would. If it's not going to cost much, go for it. Uh, but I, I think they probably just keep him anyway. And then cut him after twenty, you know, before the twenty twenty five season. But that that contract's been a disaster. No cap, no filter says no AK. Sean or MT is going to be DA's go to excuse for Mickey if we lose Sunday. Mickey needs to hit that boy with ten weeks. We were relatively healthy, and the lucky breaks we got versus all these opponents. He's not going to. He's not. Mickey Loomis is not accountable right now. I know the Pro Bowl means nothing, but Bobby over Demario and Spoon over uh, Paulson is crazy. And Winfield got snubbed, and I hate him. I agree. Look, Pro Bowl's a joke. It's an absolute joke. Al Mendoza says, swear I've seen Kendrick Miller on the injury list uh, more than on the field. <laughs> You're not wrong, unfortunately, man. Stinks. I was excited for him this year. Pablo says, do you think Mickey stops pushing the cap further into the future with how things are looking in the near future? No. I think he's going to keep pushing it. It's honestly, they, they've created a situation where it's probably their best scenario is to still push some shit forward. But if they can, each year, pick a contract that you don't push forward because you don't want to extend this more. You don't want to make this a bigger problem. Mo says, what do you think of Pete Werner's play? I think he's been a major disappointment this season. Doesn't mean I'm out on Pete Werner. But I thought Pete Werner, this would be the year that he plays better and he looks like the better linebacker out of the two. And instead, Pete Werner has regressed and Demario Davis has shown that this guy is apparently ageless, which is great for the Saints. I mean, you still got him in there. But I have not been impressed with Pete Werner's play this year one bit. Zeke says his team is a year behind on everything. Should have fired Pete last year. Kept him another year only to fire him after more of the same. Should fire DA this year. They're going to keep him around after one more of the same in 2024. Just frustrating. I agree. Should have got rid of Pete. Didn't, like you said. Should have got rid of DA. Didn't. Now you're going to do it probably when they stink in 2024. We're wasting everyone's time. We're wasting every, everyone's time. Uh, Elman does says... The Saints are the definition of the chickens coming home to roost. This team's finna crash hard. I agree. If we think it's bad now, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer because I've had a good Thursday. I hope you guys have had a good Thursday. I hope you, have a, you guys have a great weekend. If you think it's bad now, I think it's going to get worse in like, give it nine, ten months, which sucks. But that's just where we're at with the Saints team. That's where we're at. But anyway, guys, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. Uh, we'll have a live stream Sunday right after the game. The only way I'd say we'll be a little delayed is if the, the Panthers-Bucks game's close and is running late. Then I'll wait for that one to finish. But if that one finishes, we know the result. We'll jump right into it as we usually do. So make sure you guys come back here. Uh, stay uh, tuned with Blue Crew Media. Subscribe to the YouTube page so you guys get alerted when we do that live stream. But that's going to wrap it up, guys. So I hope you guys enjoyed. hope you guys have a great uh, upcoming weekend. We shall see what happens. I think it's about to get crazy here for our New Orleans Saints.